think what we hope to do um, or hope to explain in today's session is what does Torah mean and are you really sinning? Because I really think that there's a misconception on what sin is and a lot of people <clears throat> and even I personally used to think that sin was basically anything against uh, a moral that you had. I thought something wrong, I did something wrong, I played cards, I had a beer, I had a glass of wine, I had a bad thought. Um, all of a sudden that became sinning. Everything became sinning. But that's just not true. It's not true. There is a legitimate biblical definition of what sin is. I'd like to bring up something uh, one of the, my favorite things to do every week during the Sabbath is to teach my kids about the Torah. It's one of the commandments that we're supposed to do, and it brightens up my whole day. I look forward to it all week. And your mom? And my mother, she joins us as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the topics of today, some, some, of the, some of the topics, some of the sections of the Torah are a lot for kids to take in. In fact, there's over 10 chapters just on the construction of the tabernacle and just on the clothing that the priest is supposed to wear. An entire detailed chapters just on clothing. And one of the things that I had to help my kids to realize is any of this confusing? And they said, well, no. I said, so it's very, very specific. It's very, very detailed. He's saying exactly what he wants. Is that right? And they said, yes. And that's one of the takeaways we got from the, the section that we read today. There are 10 chapters telling Moses exactly how he wants the tabernacle built. Mm -hmm. Our father does not want confusion. He wants us to know exactly what he wants so that we know exactly what to do. And if we ever find ourselves walking around in confusion, it is not because our father hasn't been clear enough. It's mm -hmm. usually because something else is getting in the way of us understanding what he's saying. Yeah, which is the world and the world standards clash with God's instruction. Absolutely. Doctrine that is introduced by men, uh, men and women alike over thousands of years, literally clouding what the Bible itself means. It now becomes very important to understand, well, what is Torah? What is this law? What is this thing that we've been ignoring for 2,000 years because we've been lied to and told that we don't have to do it? Yeah. What is it? You're supposed to be Jewish if you do that. Yeah, that's the Jewish law, which it never <laughs> says that. We know, we know in the scriptures, it doesn't say this is the law of the Jews. It says this is the law of Jehovah. Well, right, because we know that this was established well before there were any Jewish people. Right. Judah wasn't formed yet. Judah was not the predominant tribe of the Hebrews as it is today. Judah is the predominant tribe of all Hebrews of the world that are known today. But at the time Moses was writing the Torah, Judah was just but one of 12 tribes. They were one, one of the larger of the 12, but there were 11 others. Mm -hmm. So let, let's briefly, before we discuss exactly what Torah is, let's read some of these things that we have been told for 2,000 years we don't have to do anymore. That it's, it, it, oh, that's no longer needed. We don't need to be a slave to that law, to that burden of the law. So it says here in, I like to go to Leviticus 19 because it's a jam-packed chapter with a ton of commands. And uh, there's many others, but this one's really jam-packed. And it says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap 
to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You must not strip your vineyard bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. Okay, well, not only do I have to do less work because I don't have to get every piece of my, my field, I'm supposed to leave a little bit for the foreigner. That's more people that, benefit. That's not a burden. Right. That, that's a good, that make you feel good, right? You must not steal. You must not lie or deceive one another. I don't think there's much to argue with there. Is that a, is that a burden? Don't steal and don't lie. Don't deceive. You must not swear falsely in my name. Okay, we already know that one. That's one of the big ten. Mm -hmm. You must not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Sounds like another good one to keep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, so far I don't see a burden here. You must not curse the deaf or place a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear the, your father. You shall fear the God that you worship. You must not pervert justice. You must not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the rich. You are to judge your neighbor fairly. You must not go about spreading slander among your people. Now that one might be a burden for some. <laughs> but I think we can all agree that spreading slander is not a good thing. No one likes that. You must not endanger the life of your neighbor. Yeah, that's another good one. You must not harbor hatred against your brother in your heart. Wait a minute. Didn't Messiah just say, you've heard it said, don't commit murder, but I say, don't even have hatred for your brother in your heart? Mm -hmm. So was he actually teaching the law? Is this proof? Leviticus 19.17 Directly rebuke your neighbor so that you, do, so that you will not incur guilt on account of him. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against any of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. That sounds familiar as well. Yeah. One of the two greatest commands that we're mm -hmm. told. Love your neighbor as yourself. So did Messiah make that up and pull it out of thin air? No. He pulled it from somewhere, and he pulled it right from here, from Leviticus 19. You are to keep my statutes. You shall not crossbreed two different kinds of livestock. You shall not sow your field with two different kinds of seed. And you shall not wear clothing made of two kinds of material. Is that a burden? Is that, just because we don't necessarily understand why we're being told not to do something, does that all of a sudden make it a burden? Yeah, do, you, you wouldn't tell your kids that just because you don't understand why you can't have candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner doesn't mean that you can still do it. And right? it certainly doesn't mean that, well, because you don't understand it, that it doesn't apply to you. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, I don't understand why I can't have candy, so I'm just going to have candy every day. There, there, there's been a theological teaching that there are moral laws, ceremonial laws, and, and then there are different categories of laws. And we no longer have to do the ceremonial laws, but we, we just do the moral laws. Well, where's the ceremonial law section? Mm -hmm. Where's the moral law section? Can, like, I ask, can you show me where the moral laws are and the ceremonial laws are divided? Well, because in this very same chapter, I see love your neighbor as yourself and do not wear two kinds of mixed clothing. So which one's moral and which one's ceremonial? How, who gets to decide that? Yeah. Because he, our father says, you are to keep all my statutes. And he says, all. And Messiah taught to keep all the statutes. So, so that was just to illustrate that what has been called a burden for all these years 
are just things that we already instinctually know we're supposed or to do. Or even worse, these were done away with. Oh yeah, that we would do away with feeding the poor yeah. and the needy, that we would do away with helping our neighbors uh -huh. to, to not harboring hatred or spreading slander for our, um, around our neighborhoods. Why would we do away with that? Oh, the burden of the law of being a good person? Yeah. Being a good person is a burden? <laughs> And, and, and I trust me, if it wasn't for learning these rules, I wouldn't have a, a moral compass in my life that I have now. That for some, it's not as necessary to learn these rules because for some, I feel that they instinctually do them anyway. Uh, I can speak for myself and say I was not a person that instinctually did them. That I was a person that was a little bit more hedonistic is I felt as long as I wasn't hurting anybody, I was fine. But I found out that, well, even though I wasn't actively hurting people, I was hurting myself in ways that I couldn't imagine. So learning these laws for me was definitely not a burden because it turned my life around. I'd like to get into sin and, and, and the difference between uh, just the common misconception of what people think is sin and what sin really is. I don't think there could be a much more apt or better question to ask, to say, well, what is sin? Mm -hmm. uh, we know that Torah is teachings. It's Genesis through Deuteronomy. It's, it's the commands of our Father. Our Messiah teaches us to follow them and not even break the least of them. But what is sin then? And so many walk around, and I hear this question a lot. Is, mm -hmm. is this a sin? No, is a good place sin? to start is the actual definition yes. of sin. So the literal definition of the word in Hebrew that we know as sin is the word chata, and it means to miss in its, in its simplest form. Mm -hmm. I like to use a verse in Judges. It's Judges chapter 20, verse 16, where it uses the word in plain context. It says, among all these soldiers, there were 700 select left-handers, each of whom could sling a stone at a hair without missing. Well, the word for missing is chata, which we translate as sin. So we know that they're not saying each of whom could sling a stone at a hair without sinning. Yeah. They're saying each of whom could sling a stone at a hair without missing. It's a good verse for context. Yes. So we can use that as a proof text that, that sin means missing. Missing what? So in, in, in oftentimes, it's considered missing the mark, missing the target, missing what you're aiming for. And that alone isn't usually enough to tell you, okay, well then what is sin? What, what, is, what is the mark? What are we aiming for? What are we missing? Yeah, what's the goal? If we sin, exactly. What we then have to examine is the word, it's Torah itself. And the word Torah itself means teachings. However, every single Hebrew word is derived from a root word, a three-letter root word. And the three-letter root word that Torah is derived from is the word yara. And yara is a word that means to aim at, to shoot for. It's, you, it's actually an archery term that is used to say, to aim at your target. You pick up your bow and arrow and you yara the target. You aim at the target. So if Torah derives from yara, which means to aim, and sin means to miss, the only thing left to figure out is, 
well, what are we aiming at and what are we missing? Mm -hmm. So when we are walking in Torah and we are learning the statutes, we are literally taking aim at something. And when we are sinning, we are literally missing that something. Uh, one of the verses I like to use for that. And, and real quick, while you're doing that, I want to interject that when whatever version you're reading, usually when you see sin or sinning and law and lawlessness, the lawlessness and the sinning go hand in hand. It, exactly. it, it literally means the same thing. Law means Torah mm -hmm. in Greek, which is nomos. There was no word for Torah in Greek, so they used the word nomos, which is law. So, anomos, which is lawlessness, directly translates as Torahlessness. Right. So, it is important to remember that when you hear workers of lawlessness, yes. when you hear uh, children of lawlessness, they're literally saying children that are anti-Torah. They are anomos. So, it is important to keep that in mind. So, I, you could very easily say that it's a good thing to aim at being righteous, being good, being approved in Yah's eyes. And what does Yah say righteousness is? He says that it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before Yehovah our Elohim as He has commanded us. In Deuteronomy 6.25, I'll, I'll read it in the King James. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. So Moses, through the Holy Spirit, through Yah himself, is saying, it is your righteousness to do all these commands. All of them. All of these commands. Not just ten. And he even says it in the same verse. He says it twice. He reiterates it. It shall be our righteousness if we, if we observe to do all these commandments before Yehovah our Elohim as He commanded us. Don't get me wrong, ten's a good place to start. Sure. But most people can't even get the ten right. If you can't get the ten right, and you know what? You can't get the ten right if you're taught they don't matter. That's true. That's very true. If, if, yeah. if you're taught, oh, it's impossible. That's another one of the lies. Uh -huh. It's impossible. Nobody can do the law. Well. Does the Bible say that? I can go to Deuteronomy and see that, well, we're not told nobody can do the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, For this commandment I give you today is not too difficult for you, or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven that you should, not, that you should need to ask, Who will ascend to heaven to get it for us and proclaim it, that we may obey it? And it is not beyond the sea that you should need to ask, who will cross the sea to get it for us and proclaim it, that we may obey it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and on your heart, so that you may obey it. See, I have set before you today life and goodness, as well as death and disaster. It's not difficult. It's, it's, it's from the Father himself. Exactly. It just, our flesh, our being, uh, wants to connect to the world where our spirit wants to connect to a higher being. Um, they don't really go hand in hand that often. So when you have God's instruction, your spirit feels a pull to do them. 
You go, yeah, I want to be a good person. I want to do this. I can see but myself doing this. Yeah, with the flash. Like, do I really want to do that? Mm -hmm. I really don't want to do that. And then what comes next? We start to rely on grace. Yes. So, well, I don't have to do any of that. Yeah, I don't have to do it. I've been doing it already. For me. Yeah. Well, I, I also wanted to add a verse in Luke. So we, we saw our father ourself. Uh, our father himself said... This law is not too difficult for you in Deuteronomy 30. So in Luke chapter 1, because there are a lot of people who are who might not be sold on this whole we're supposed to follow the law thing. So in Luke chapter 1, which is the Greek scriptures of the Second Testament, we see this verse. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and whose wife Elizabeth was a daughter of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and decrees of the Lord. So right here we see, well, there's two people that are proving it's not too hard to be blameless in the law. It says right here that Zechariah and Elizabeth, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and decrees of the Lord. But that doesn't mean that they never sinned. Exactly. Only one never sinned. Mm -hmm. But see, the law was not about never sinning. Mm -hmm. If sinning was not allowed, then there would be no reason for a sacrificial system. See, our father established the sacrificial system from day one because he knew we were all going to sin. Yeah. As but part of the instruction is, it, you know, we have instruction on how to live a life for him. But he also accounted for our faults and our mishaps that were going to happen because we are human. So he also, in that same Torah, gave us instruction what to do when we sin. When we sin. So if you do what you're supposed to do when you sin, because it's unavoidable to sin, but when you do those steps and follow those instructions, you are now walking blamelessly before God. <clears throat> so so we, we learn too then that this statement, it's impossible to obey the law. Well, it's not impossible to obey the law. You just simply have to follow all the statutes. It's impossible to not sin, but it is not impossible to walk blamelessly before our Father, which it even says both of them were righteous in the sight of Elohim. It means they were taking aim at our Father. They were taking aim and and they actually were finding righteousness before our father our father said it himself he was they are righteous yeah and that's what that means and again i know for myself and i can only speak for myself as a christian growing up that when you see the term righteousness you think that that means they never sinned and you know it has come to light since i've been on this walk that not only is that not true, but the complete antithesis of what I originally thought. They do sin, they just took the necessary measures to account for their sin. Exactly. And, and, and that was their righteousness, just as Moses said, if you do all these commandments, it will be your righteousness. So it's not something that means you're, you're hoity or, or lifted up above anybody else. It just simply means, in the eyes of our Father, you're blameless. Does it mean we didn't need Messiah? No. Mm -hmm. We absolutely need Messiah. Mm -hmm. Walking blamelessly before the Father 
does not perfect us spiritually. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cause us to be like him. All it does is it keeps us away from sin. It keeps us away from missing the mark. But there was nothing in the law that was going to grant us perfection. So we don't rely on the law for closeness with the Father. We rely on Messiah for that. Right. He's our teacher, and he's the one who is going to bring us to the Father. It's not just the law, and it's not just grace. You know, you have two opposite ends of the, the pendulum. And when you get way far here, you know, when you're talking about Orthodox uh, Judaism, you're relying on law for salvation. And then you swing on the other end of the pendulum and you have Christianity and the different sects of Christianity, Catholicism and all of that. You're relying on grace. Only. Yeah. We, there's a sweet spot there uh, in the middle where both of those are integrated together and that is exactly what Yeshua came to teach. Exactly. He's, he taught us that truly salvation is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. That believing in Him is salvation and that is eternal life. That's a guarantee of eternal life. But what did He say? That does not guarantee a, a, a lesser judgment. Yeah. Every person is facing a judgment. And in Revelation chapter 20, it says all people are judged by their deeds, by the works of their hands. James even says, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith through my works. James says that your works are an expression of the faith that you have. And it is those works that are what decide what sort of judgment you're going to have, whether you have salvation or not. Right. The topic that we can do next time, um, I think, would be beneficial to, to go about what instructions are in Torah, what they mean, what they look like in a modern world. That's a good point. Um, we, When we started the trek of Torah, which you learn in Acts chapter 15, mm-hmm. there is a start. When you don't know the law, the, the, the apostles determined there's a beginning. There's, there's four commands you can start with. Yeah. Very, very simple commands. We're going to give you four and then you're going to learn the rest every Sabbath. And that's in Acts chapter 15. You can see it for yourself. So we started with those four. And you don't really look a lot different when you start those four commands. But when you start looking at, okay, well, how do how do these people obey it? How do these people do the mm-hmm. command? How do these people do this command? Yeah, you start searching and researching. And then you find a group. And then you find the very strange thing. <laughs> Well, I think I think there's a there's a rabbi. He's a messianic rabbi that we both love oh, dearly. Oh, absolutely. Uh, rabbi Greg Hirschberg, and he says it best. Now he was speaking specifically of messianic Judaism, which of course we we of course we ally with messianic Judaism, but we do not proclaim to be messianic Jews. But he said that messianic Judaism is the granola of religions. He says every fruit, flake, and nut flocks <laughs> to this to this faith and you will see a lot of fruits flakes and nuts as you learn a little bit more about torah and 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 what it means to be torah pursuant and don't get us wrong there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a messianic jew absolutely not. um we are not jewish so it's hard for us to be messianic jews however the religion 
the denomination that a, a lot of people claim to be a messianic Jew um, is is where a lot of people find themselves. Oh yes. During this walk. And there is a gamut of ways that looks like. And we learned kind of early on we could we could do these commands mm -hmm. and not really look all that different. And it wasn't even an intentional thing. The more we learned them and the more we learned the meaning of them, the more we realized this isn't about looking different. That's not how we're supposed to be set apart. Yeah, it's how, how are you going to uh, spread the light that is in you if everyone looks at you and goes, whoa, what a weirdo. Right. You know, they didn't do that to Messiah. Nobody said, oh, what a weirdo. Look at the way that guy's dressed. Mm -hmm. Look at the way, look at the way he wears his tzitzit. Yeah, he didn't dress any different. No. He didn't look any different. And he didn't, he didn't cause waves just, just to cause waves either. But I think we'll get more into that next week and we'll give you um, some good personal examples of how we started and how we've grown. Maybe some failures and some successes. Sure. You know, <laughs> we've all been there. Why not? I, I, I had a tendency of being pretty zealous and diving in head first before I had understanding. <laughs> and uh, and I learned a lot along the way. The best thing I can relate it to is when you're new in this walk and you are searching for a group and you're searching for how to act, what to do, that sort of thing. It goes back to those awkward times, preteen times. When you're looking for a click. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just kind of, it's awkward at yeah, first. It is. And but you always think you're not doing it right. Yeah. You'll grow into your faith. You'll grow into this spiritual renewal, refreshment. Um, and And when you do that you start to learn the enrichment that following these commands give your life. It's not about looking different, it's about being different. Mm -hmm. It's about becoming something more like Messiah. And that's what these are. These are steps to become more like Him. And the more like Him we become, the closer we move to our Father, the closer we become His righteousness. Um, I just want to, so, so in summation, Torah, are the teachings to aim at the mark sin is missing the mark and there is one place in scriptures that plainly give that definition in first john chapter 3 verse 4 everyone who practices sin practices lawlessness as well indeed sin is lawlessness there you go sin is torahlessness so if you're ever asking yourself, is this sin, is this sin, is this sin? The more you learn Torah and the more you understand those righteous commands, then you never, ever ask that question again. Mm -hmm. It's not playing cards. Yeah, playing cards is not a sin. Yeah. There's nothing it's in Torah not, that says so. <laughs> it's not some of the other uh, myths um, out there, you know, playing cards and... Drinking a beer. Exactly. Uh, drinking a beer in itself is not a sin. There are warnings about drinking too much. Yeah. But there but there are actually commands to drink right. in the Torah. Mm -hmm. There are times when it's commanded. Um, and anything else is simply doctrine that was created by humans that goes against what our Father actually calls sin. So you have to decide, am I going to follow what humans call sin, or am I going to learn what my Father calls sin? It would be a lot easier. And you know what? I remember one time we were explaining to somebody that we wanted to do this and they said, it just seems so confusing. I said, no, everything is laid out for you. 
Yeah. There's no confusion. It literally chops away the confusion. You never ask yourself again, what is sin? Because if it's not in here, then it's not sin. There's generally accepted 613 commands. That's really not a lot. If you don't break one of those 613 commands, you're not sinning. So, so let's continue to cut through the confusion. Let's continue to, to divide the scriptures and, and learn more about the word. Let's learn more about the Torah because Messiah is the Torah. And the more we learn about the Torah, the more we become like Messiah because it's all he ever taught. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving us your ear. It's truly a blessing to be able to share the word any chance we get. But I strongly encourage you to divide the word yourself and prayerfully ask for discernment and guidance from our Father because we have only one teacher. It's our Messiah. We have only one book, and that's this, these, the, these scriptures before us. And test every single thing that you hear from anyone. Test everything I say. Test everything my wife says. And lay it against scripture, because if it doesn't hold up against scripture, then you need to throw it out. And, and that is the only way to cut through confusion and not walk in darkness, not knowing if you're sinning, not knowing if you're doing it correctly. So be a Berean and study to show yourself approved. What's a Berean? A Berean were those Jews in the town of Berea that Paul visited and brought the word about Messiah. And he and Paul taught them everything from the Hebrew scriptures that mentioned Messiah's coming. So the Bereans, they didn't believe him right away. Mm -hmm. So they took the scriptures and they studied them. And after studying the scriptures, they found that Paul was right. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> and they went back to Paul. On that note. And they became believers by studying. And uh, the, and we encourage you to also not just believe everything we say, but to go to your scriptures and study them yourself. Study Matthew chapter 5. Study Matthew chapter 19. Study 1 John chapter 3 and chapter 5. Study the Torah and, you, and see for yourself. Uh, we thank you. We wish you blessings. And we pray in our Messiah, Yehoshua's name, that you will be enlightened by whatever you heard today.